Did you know that laughter can actually improve your health? Did you know it draws people together in ways that trigger healthy physical and emotional changes in the body? Join us today for some great laughter and some good humor. Hello and welcome to TripCast 360, the podcast of lively banter about travel, tourism, and entertainment. This is Michael Gordon Bennett coming to you from Las Vegas, Nevada, and I am joined by the Barbados Flash via the Big Apple, Dave Cumberbatch. And uh, Dave, before we get into our show today, which I'm really excited with our guest, uh, I don't want to get political on you. But damn it, <laughs> politics, please get this presidential right. <laughs> election over. This is November 5th, and we still don't have a result. Well, I'll tell you, it's extremely stressful. You know, only, only this morning I read a recent uh, New York Times uh, article that says, uh, don't give in to the election stress disorder. What an appropriate title at this time, eh? Damn, it's 10 o'clock good... in the morning here, and I got vodka behind me. You, what do you mean don't give hey. in to the disorder? Oh, gee, don't 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 talk about don't talk about the adult beverages now. We can go on forever. Well, yeah, we could. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have a really exciting show today. Our guest is is wonderful. We've just done a little pre conversation with her, and uh, trust me, uh, as listeners out there, you'll want to uh, listen to this when we get it posted. But before we jump into today's show, let me uh, get to the housekeeping notes uh, as you. Uh, uh, are aware you're listening to the TripCast 360 podcast. We are available on our website at tripcast360.com or wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and pretty much every uh, format on the planet. And we also are going to release our first newsletter next week. We're kind of excited about that. So, uh, you know, you'll find things on there like our guests, like uh, Trish, uh, who's coming up. And you'll see things like travel deals. And we've got a few little special uh, surprises that we're going to incorporate as we go on. So that is that. Uh, Dave, why don't you give them the social media plug? You can also find us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and soon YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter on our website at tripcast360.com. And and I have one more special announcement to make. We are starting to fill out our website now with more relevant news and information, whether it be travel-related or entertainment-related or both. And we are looking for writers, especially like uh, those of you who are in college who need some professional writing credits and things of that sort. Uh, we get probably 500 to 1,000 uh, press releases a day. So we need some of those converted into a legible, smart, intelligent writing. And yeah. it's a perfect opportunity for an intern to pick up some credits. We will work with you individually or with any college or university who wants to uh, help us. Uh, and we also have a featured story section. Um, so if you are one of those more enterprising people who doesn't mind getting on the phone, doing a little research, uh, you know, doing interviews and things like that, we have that available as well. You can um, send that information to us, contact at tripcast360.com, and we will get back to you right away. So how about our photo of the week? Well, tell them about it. It was your idea. <laughs> well, we're planning on introducing a segment called uh, Photo of the Week. So we're asking you to submit your photos. Take some really nice, intriguing photos. Send them to us. We would publish them, and we'll give you credit. Hey, we like that. And the more embarrassing, the better. That's right. Okay. <laughs> well, let's jump into today's show. As our guest has been patiently waiting, which I wouldn't have yes. done, but she did it for us. So I guess we're special. Um, (laughs) she's an Emmy award-winning lifestyle expert and headlining comedian, the true embodiment of a multitasker. When she's not on the road delivering her unique brand of comedy, you'll probably find her in front of her camera as one of the most sought after hosts on television. Many of you remember her as the yard sale diva on more than 300 episodes of style network. Now Esquire networks, mega hit clean house. She's also guest starred on NBC's the office and Comedy Central's Reno 911, or 911, however the hell you pronounce it. She's also hosted the Daily Draw on the Game Show Network and has delivered her comedic take on life on numerous television shows, including Good Morning America, Good Day LA, Good Day New York, 
and The Ricky Lake Show, Hollywood Today Live, Lifetime E. Yeah, she's been everywhere. Trish, sir, welcome <laughs> to TripCast 360. Thank y'all. Oh my gosh, that bio was lengthy. You could have just done okay. She's, no. <laughs> she's fun. But you've done a whole lot, Trish. You know, you're a comedian, you're a designer, you're an, organiz- you're an organizer. And hey, my, also, I, I, I cleaned my office just for you, by the way. <laughs> I was noticing how tidy that looked. I mean, what the viewers don't see is that we're, of course, on a Zoom where we can see each other. That's right. Uh, everybody, you guys are, inc- your offices are incredibly put together. I, uh, I'm actually in my uh, kitchen watching the election in the background. I'll be fully transparent with the with the audience because we are all in such a state of on on the edge of our seat. As my girlfriend Erin Foley, one of my best friends, said today, she said, "I've never in my life thought I'd be on the edge of my seat watching people in Arizona in cargo shorts count ballots." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, well, that's, well, well, you're actually in a place where they're also doing the ballot counting, so. <laughs> That's right. You are in, I was about to say, yeah, Michael, you are in ground zero as well of, of the, as a matter of fact, uh, they've got the Clark County head of ballots on the news right now. Just, I can't read his lips because he has a mask on, but um, he is saying something of importance. And so, you know, we're all in the same boat of like, can you tell us what happened so we can get back to traveling? Is that all? Well, you know what they did? They went to sleep last night. They they shut down at five o'clock. While everybody else was out counting votes. The people here went to sleep. Uh, well, hey, look, you've got for this for Vegas is pretty much really the city that never sleeps more. I say more than New York. No offense, David, but uh, Vegas I feel like never goes to bed. Even when I'm there, I'm like, oh goodness, they don't ever sleep around here. I love Vegas. So good for them that they got a little shut out. Yeah. I love. I love a little. It. All right, Dave, I cut you off twice already. Go, man. <laughs> well, 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 you know, I'm used to that. I'm used to that. You know, you, you know, you can't help it. But, <laughs> but Trish, <laughs> considering all that you do, Trish, including, you know, your lifestyle expert as well, considering all of that, how do you manage your day? How do you manage your expectations? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, you know, I think it's just, compartmentalizing it when you're doing it. Cause I like to be a hundred percent present, which is hard to do when you've got a lot of balls in the air, but I, I, I just, I'm, I'm grateful to do it all, you know, and, and the great part is, is having fun and, and dealing with things with levity, uh, make everything easier, right? Like that's the truth. So uh, if you jump into everything with the attitude of finding the joy in it, I think it makes e- even stuff that's overwhelming uh, easier to deal with. And that probably sounds a little woo-woo and esoteric, but even like I, I travel all the time. And I think the hardest part of this, you know, pandemic has been that I am happiest uh, in the air and in the airport. I always tell people, you'll never meet anyone happier about a delay than this girl. Cause I, I love being uh, on the road. So um, it's been really, to me, being home all the time has actually been harder. <laughs> 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 than being gone. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to ask you that because of COVID. I mean, there's so many things. Are you doing any of your shows virtually? No, you know, I, I mean, as far as uh, work goes in, in TV, we've been really lucky because they're starting to bring things back. Yeah. Um, so we're super grateful where that's concerned. So uh, there's a new show I'm going to do in 2021, but I can't talk about it. So we're starting the pre-production right. on that, which is quite nice, you know, God willing with the state of the world. And, um, and now I'm a spokesperson for QVC. So we get to do those remotely. So basically my house becomes a studio. So I guess the good news is that um, my house is, is ready for shooting. So we're, we're doing all this stuff right now to get that ready to go. Cause basically you're running a studio out of the house. Um, and, and more than just, you know, um, more than just an iPhone. So it's like, Oh gosh, okay. Now I'm, I'm, uh, pre-production post-production and on a camera talent. So, uh, grateful. And I'm so sorry if y'all hear my golden doodle one and he's one. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. That's good. That's o- good. Open the door and let him chase. <laughs> well, I thought about it. I thought about it. And then I have a bunch of landscapers in the backyard. This sounds crazy because I, I do everything at one time. You guys, I'm literally turning this whole house into a studio. So I feel like I'm running a uh, full, a full studio. And these dogs will go out and try to lick them. Oh, to okay. so apologies. Well, that's the story of your life doing things full throttle and 9,000 things at once. I do. And I try to, if things could be exploding in the background, I'm like, don't mind me. That's just a little audio glitch with my golden doodle <laughs> carrying on outside. So. I actually read one of your Instagram posts 
And they read, it's not who you are that holds you back. It's who you think you are not. That's a really, that's a really, really powerful statement. That's eh? right. You know, it's, it's, uh, it, that was something my papa said, by the way, uh, it's, it's, uh, right. It's the story we tell ourselves. And so I'm from a coal mining town in Southeastern Kentucky. I'm from a place where people don't even, you know, see anything, but the Smoky Mountain show, uh, from a little girl was like, I'm gonna go see the world and I'm going to go win Emmys. I'm gonna have my own shows. And my family was like, go girl. <laughs> they were like, you do you boo. Nobody, nobody in my family was like, you're crazy. They went, all right, well, whatever treat, go ahead, sis. So as long as that's who you genuinely believe you are in your person, then you're going to achieve those things. We all know that to be the truth. If, if what you tell yourself repeatedly will come true, good or bad. So uh, I think it's it's a pretty, pretty powerful lesson when you, even when you feel yeah. like not believing it, if you genuinely believe that's your truth, guess what? It's never too late. You're never too old. That's what well, I that, that, that's got to be sure. a heck of an adjustment. Sure. I, I've been to Western Kentucky once. And I think Paducah's in Western Kentucky. Um, <coughs> yeah. well, you're on the I'm other from, side I'm of from Southeastern, okay. which is where, yes, I'm where Kentucky, Tennessee, and Virginia okay. all come together at the Cumberland Gap. Uh, where yeah, Daniel Boone came was through. A man. I remember Boone. that TV show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 Lord, they love a Daniel Boone. So, Yes, I'm from the whole other side. And it's it's really it's such a small part of this country. And people, when you see it, even my husband, when he went there, was like, wow. And he's from a small town in Georgia. And he was like, yeah, this is small. Like, yeah, yeah, this is yeah. this is not big. And I was like, okay. Like, he he received it. And so, you know, it's, it's what's in your person. I believe we're all, it's put in us from the time we're made to, to be, you know, wired in our DNA to go and do and be. And, uh, there's no part of me that doesn't want to always be traveling and seeing the world. And and for me, I love seeing how everybody does life. I think it's so spectacular to see how different cultures, different people, different people from different yeah. cultures moving in and respecting other cultures. I think that's just something really powerful uh, because what I know for sure, <laughs> I was raised in a funeral home. What I know for sure, none of us are getting uh, out no. alive. None of us are getting out alive. So you might as well love everybody while you're here. And the ones that are hateful mess, let them go off and do their own thing. And we don't have to be around all them. But get to know all the, the people in this world that are, you know, making it a better place. And I think that's been the hardest for a lot of people that love to travel is you don't have that, um, just that camaraderie with people that all want that elevated way of being. Right. That's what I, I feel travel does for everybody. It's kind of just that, that's what travel should do for everybody. I, I really get annoyed when I see people go, especially Americans. We have this tendency to go to other people's countries and act like the rude, ugly American. Dude, just go over there and have fun. Get to know the people in this country. You're, they're welcoming you with open arms. Why are you going to be the ugly American? It, oh, it sends me over the edge. I will tell you, I was uh, this time last year because it keeps coming up on my memories on social media, which upsets me. I was shooting a, a a show in London. And then my husband and I went and ran around Europe after that. So of course my Facebook keeps, all my social keeps reminding me of all the fun I was having at the Eiffel Tower and in Dublin. I'm like, mm, okay, thank you. So, so as I was saying that, though, we got to London and right away, you know, our, instantly we were like, oh gosh, do we say we're Canadian? Because we, 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 <laughs> although we have these thick Southern accents, which you can't really hide my husband and I both. So we're like, can we just say we're from Southern Canada? Because we, we don't want anyone to have all these, you know, predispositions to what it means to hear a Southern American speak or be around us. Cause that's, that's a lot of, you know, prejudice right. for obvious reasons um, that you don't want people to be like, no, I'm, I'm, and we have to be like, no, we're a good one. But the great news is we didn't, know this to this level when we got to the uk everyone was like everybody they were like girl you're fine we, we we know you're not a mess we know it we're not a mess either and i was like okay thank you and the same when we got to ireland they were like don't worry about it we get it we get it y'all are no it's just a bad rap i was like thank you so it makes you feel good that at least other countries are like, we know it's not y'all. We know there's some yahoos, but we can tell 
most people that have the good sense to travel at this time are not weirdos. So, you know, I can't wait to be back amongst the rest of the global tribe where we all get to go, hey, I support you <laughs> yeah, too. We're not I, it, crazy. it matters. I, I uh, Dave's going to bring this up, so I may as well tell you. Anyway, I wrote a book. <laughs> um, Here. This book, That check, Little Goober check, Is Me. Let me see. Let me check see. the subtitle. But the, the sub- oh, but the subtitle is My Journey is America's Whitest Black Kid. <laughs> and and the funny part is when you were talking dead. about your Southern accent. I was born in New Jersey, but my dad was in the Air Force. So in the early 70s, we got stationed in Panama City, Florida. And I wrote a passage mm. in my book about I had to learn a whole new dialect because I had never spoken <laughs> Southern. <laughs> <laughs> I do now. <laughs> but you understand that. You you do now. It's a whole nother language. I completely look, but I I say the same. I say the same for New York and Boston. Ooh. Lord goodness, those are some thick <laughs> trucking accents. Oh, yes, they are. Boston's too. bad. Boston's bad. And I always mm-hmm. joke. Boston's <laughs> so bad you need a handbook. And uh I will say, I will say uh, two of my girlfriends in LA, one is British and one is Australian. And we were all out when we could eat pre COVID. We were all out to dinner and this uh, wonderful server who is darling walks up to the table and I'm head first into my food. So not appropriate to be talking with a mouthful. And she walks up and she goes, um, how are y'all enjoying your meal? And I, I'm chewing and I give a thumbs up. And then my other two girlfriends were like, oh, it's darling, it's lovely. Another one says in her beautiful Australian accent, she's like, hey, go, 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 you know, all that. I can't do an Australian accent. And uh, so they were like, great. And then she looks at me again and goes, do you like it? (laughs) Is it good? (laughs) And I don't answer. And I'm thinking she's doing that for my two friends who are obviously from other countries. Clearly not the person from the United States, but no, she stood there waiting for me to give like hand gestures again. Cause I don't speak, you know, proper English. And I thought, Lord God. And people will always say to me, Hey, why haven't you lost your accent? And I thought, do, we don't say that to right. anybody. Mm-hmm. Like David's accent's dreamy. Why would do, do people ever ask you, David, yes, why I, you haven't lost certainly. your accent? Right. Yeah. They ask you why you haven't lost all the time. It? I just said, and listen, as say? long as I'm speaking proper grammar, proper English, I'm not concerned about the accent. Damien, and I always say, what was I supposed to do with it? Like, like I was supposed to just put it out curbside? <laughs> like, this is all I got. This is my, this is my one trick pony. I mean, David's is beautiful. He could read yeah. me a house menu and I'd be like, you know, the funny part all. is, is we use artificial intelligence to transcribe the podcast afterwards because some people are, you know, hearing impaired and they like to read it. Well, every, it, yeah. the hard part is, is the intelligence sure. hasn't picked up Dave's accent yet. Isn't that, I find that so fascinating. I had to change my Siri yeah. uh, on my iPhone to a British uh, UK speaking Siri. Now she understands everything because before when it was on American English, she and I get in custom matches. And I'm like, girl, that's not what I said. Quit putting words in my mouth. Now that she's wow. British, she's that's like, I got you. Don't worry about it. You're fine. I was like, thank you. I do funny. speak that the best English. Uh, so you've got this, you, you're from this small town in Eastern Kentucky out in the mountains. How was adjusting to life in Los Angeles? Uh, that's a great, you know, first I went to college in Arizona state, which that in itself was a whole, yeah, that was a big shift because Arizona is its own kind of ecosystem. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just a different bird Been there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just different. And so I think learning that was one thing. And to me, LA, I know a lot of people were like, oh gosh, it's going to be such an adjustment. I don't know if it's just because I always felt I've never I've never not it's not a double negative I've never not felt at home in Los Angeles and you know I moved there at a time when we didn't have all the luxuries of you know GPS and all that magic we had these big giant paper books called Thomas Guides remember those Michael Thomas Guides yep I remember those you had to build out this big old map that was 600 pages thick and find a grid yeah I didn't care I was like I love it here and I I think truthfully LA gets a bad rap for people being you know, all to themselves and selfish and self-centered. I'm, I've never found that. I've found people being always yeah. sweet, um, very lovely. Uh, I've been there. I've been in LA for 24 years and everybody in LA is my lifelong friend. Like I don't go through people. I've had all the same friends. So 
I'm grateful that uh, it's been, and I think it's because it's a really transient place, meaning a lot of people aren't from LA. So when you meet people that are your people, you're so grateful to know them no matter where they came from. I think we're a lot more accepting too in Los Angeles than a lot of people probably, you know, they all think we're hippy dippy. We are to a degree crunchy. Um, But I think it's, it's, you know, it's a, I always say I put the Southern in Southern California. So <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> thank you. And I, I believe it to be true because I, I just keep it that extra level. Californians are very, to me, very welcoming people. And um, they're, they're real, real sweet if you let them be. I think a lot of times they get prejudged for being wackadoodle. Uh, and they're not. They're but, not. But, but they're not. You, you know, one of the things, you know, I love Southern California. And one of the things that uh, I love the creative community these guys are geniuses. When, are. You, when you stop and, and you just listen, the, the guy who's walking down the streets in jeans and flip-flops might be the most uh, creative person you will have ever met in your life. And they just let it, it just oozes out of them. And it's, it's hard to explain to somebody who's never lived there that you have all this genius around you. I, I know great actors who are still living in their cars because they can't get apart, but they're really good. Yeah. No, look. There, what's really cool too, I think, is a level, and I've always felt in Los Angeles that I've not noticed in other bigger cities that are also creative cities, is this level of like collaboration. There's this constant level of um, wanting others, I feel, wanting others to do well. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's a bunch of competitive people out there in any world, but in in I've found in the people that I've run with, we all want everyone to level up. And I find that to be quite true in California where everyone just wants that betterment. It's not like, well, I can't believe you got this. It's not, I've never found it to be that way. Cause I believe that eventually it's everybody's turn, right? E- eventually it's your turn. And it's just how ready you are when that opportunity rises, instead of sitting around going poor, poor, pitiful me. You go, hey, oh, amen. hey, you know, my creativity is here and I know it's here. And when it shows up, you get to, you know, give give that gift out to others. It's just such a blessing. And, and it's fun to celebrate in other people. That's why you, Michael, yeah. can see what a level of creativity that is in others. Because you're creative. You get it. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to be. I've got screenplays and projects on my plate, too, but I can't execute a lot of that here. I need to be back in Southern California where I can kind of reconnect with the entertainment community that I had to uh, walk away from when I had to take care of my mother. So uh, it's a process, but we're getting there. I was just about to say, but it's always when you look at, you know, in the, in the scheme of our lives, you taking the time to be an amazing son is a, a blip. I mean, just an out and back. You just you handled it. You were an amazing human. You were there when you needed to be. And that moves your experience forward exponentially. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. what, that's, what's amazing. Cause when it all does line up and it will line up, cause that's how the world works. Um, you're going to yeah. go, Oh my gosh, that what, what a blessing that I was put in a position to be there. Right. That's what I find. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the connection like Dave and I, Dave and I have not seen each other in, in person in 15 years, Dave? Stop it. Stop it right now. Right. I'm serious. We, we have not. Yeah. Dave, Dave and I met. I was, um, we met in Bermuda. Uh, I was going to a travel hotel investors conference where I was slated to speak. And Dave was actually hired by the people who put on the conference to be the videographer of the event. And so... We land at the airport in Bermuda, and I'm the only one of the 35 people who were attending this conference who got his luggage. Now, keep in mind, Dave's the videographer. His camera equipment's not there. Oh, that's a bummer. There's nothing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, and I just walked up next to him at the uh, uh, baggage claim while he's waiting for his luggage. I'm smiling with my little shitty grin on my face. I got my bag, um, you know. And, and, I was wondering why you were smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I had my stuff, <laughs> you know, and we just clicked. It was just like one of these things where we just like we just hit it off. I mean, I can see the pain on Dave's face from not having his equipment. I I would be mad too. Yeah. But you know, we we got on. We got back to the hotel. Uh, we met for drinks later that night, and it was just like we were we became inseparable. He eventually had to go back and get his luggage at the airport when it finally arrived. And the next thing you know, we flew on the same plane back to New York. I had a six hour layover. Well, Dave lives about 10 minutes from JFK. So he goes home, gets his car, picks me up, and we go eat jerk chicken to some restaurant in uh, Jamaica, Queens. And and we've been. That's right. Yeah. That is the best story, Michael. Oh my gosh! What? That is true. That is that is that is 
So true. This is what travel does, which is why Dave and I wanted to do this. Isn't it, you, you know, that's beautifully said. That really is what travel does. I think about now how many people, you know, you have your Instagram friends, obviously, that we're blessed with now with social media. The people that you get to know, a community that's global, no matter what. Because I have people that will follow me from good night from Belgium to Australia. To, I mean, if I put up a, hey, y'all, I'm making this. Does anybody have a tip that I need to put into this chili? Or, and you'll get it from the Netherlands, from Austria. I'm like, yes, because that's like it's, it's this global phone book that we get to have now. But the beauty of just traveling, as you know, I've been stuck in sky clubs with people that are now lifelong friends. I'm like, honey, we've done time. We, I, I was on a, a flight once reasons I only fly Delta and I don't don't get paid to say that, but I will go really? on. Oh, I will go on a tirade of why I only fly Delta. But anyway, um, well, I had flown another airline and in the middle of being on that airline at an airport that I never have to go into. So it was Chicago Midway. Normally I go into O'Hare and they just up and decide to cancel the entire flight. 300 people are without flight. For no reason, no weather, no nothing. Just we're like, and so I turned into like the spokesperson for all of us. I just was like, no, that's on the list of no. And so I started going over our passenger rights. And then the next thing you know, oh, they magically found uh, a sprinter vans to get us all to O'Hare in 45 minutes to get on a new flight on an entirely different carrier. Yeah, because I turned into like, Mm. I became the amazing (laughs) race, y'all. I really did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, no, this, and this woman was bawling because she was trying to get to her mama who was about to pass away. I mean, when I tell you the stories of everybody trying to get somewhere, so I took 12 of the people on my bus and I was like, we're getting on. So I walk them into Delta because that was the carrier they switched us to. So walk them into Delta. I get everybody upgraded. <laughs> I get us all on. <laughs> I get everybody vouchers <laughs> for future travel. I'm in there like turning into everybody's mama. When I tell you, I still talk to, 10 of the 12 people that were with me to this very day. And that was 15 years ago. Because that's what travel does. You know, you have those experiences with people that you're like, are you kidding me? I mean, there's a comic that I was on the road with. We met, y'all would love this. We met at LAX for the very first time on the way to Afghanistan to do shows for the truth. We met at the gate. So I'm about to go into a war zone with a person I've never met. And we met for the first time at the gate. And I'm like, okay. And he's a seasoned comic. So I was like, great. You know, he's done this before. He'd done tours all around the world for USO. So I was like, great. This was my first USO tour in 2005. And I thought, okay, I need at least this guy knows what he's doing and he's funny. And he get, we get to the airport. We talked on the phone. But this is pre-smartphones, y'all. So there was no FaceTime and doing. I had a pink Razor phone. Y'all remember those? And uh, oh my god, yeah, remember the razors? And so <laughs> it's like my shirt, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and so we, we, he, we got there, and we both had said, Hey, he goes, What do you, he goes, What do you have on? I said, Oh, I have on my cowboy hat because I didn't want it to get crunched because it was going to be, it was August in Afghanistan, so I needed uh, all, all the hats. So I have my cowboy hat on, and he looks around the gate and he sees this woman who is in her early 60s with a pink cowboy hat on. With a sparkle glitter top. It's 6.15 in the morning. And he goes, <laughs> uh, we're both on the phone. And he goes, uh, what color is your cowboy hat? This hat is neon pink. And I'm like, I don't know, straw. Like, I was like, good night. It's 6.15 in the morning. What's he have? It's <laughs> cowboy hat color. And he, and, and, I, and he goes, I go, what are you wearing? He goes, I'm wearing it. New Jersey Devils baseball camp. And I look around, I see his little Irish self on the phone. He turns around, looks at me. I look at him and I go, I see you. And he goes, you do? And the lady, I can see the lady. He sees the back of her. And I go, oh my gosh, do you think that lady over there is me? Good night. And he turns around and I'm sitting right in front of him. He goes, oh, praise God. Oh, thank you, Lord. And I go, I should have just let you think that was me for the day. Did you about to have to go in with all that glamour <laughs> into a war zone? And he was like, Trish, I was scared to death. But I spent the next three weeks in the Middle East with somebody I literally met at the gate at LAX. And one of the best experiences of my life. He's like my other brother. And yeah, and that was, you know, good night 15 years ago. So yeah, I just love what travel does. I love that that, you can't replace that level of bonding. You you can't at all. But but Trish, a question for you. And I'm certain you've been asked this question 
a million times. What made you get into comedy? But I want to add a little twist to it. Uh, I read, well, we, we hear about this all the time. Laughter is the best medicine. I've, I've been reading where laughter is really good for your health. Yes. And, and I know that there must have been someone or some folks in your audience that might have been having a really bad day. And your comedy might have brought some laughter to them. Was that part of the impetus for you getting into comedy? Or it was, well, I don't want to answer yeah. you. Well, I'm, I'm not going to answer you the question if it was just to have a job. No. But did that play a role Absolutely. in you getting into comedy? David, that's such a good question. Because yes. Um, so yes, it did. I grew up again in the funeral business. And so uh, my family, I always say I'm the least funny person in my family. I'm just the only one that figured out how to monetize it. So really, I come from a, a group of very funny people because we work in a business of grief. So you come home and when I tell you we're some of the goofiest goofballs, the silliest things make us laugh. We never watched horror films. I mean, we'd have on Elf uh, in July because we just love fun Christmas movies. Like we're just, a, we love, my family loves levity. So I think just knowing what joy we all love to bring into each other and that Working in the business of grief, which really that is what the funeral business is, and learning how to manage moments of levity when uh, people are at their worst, which is what we do, yeah. and really managing that for families. I was like, what if, what if you could do this all the time? And as a kid, one of my family's favorite shows to watch was The Carol Burnett Show. We loved The Carol Burnett Show. Funny. Oh, was brilliant, brilliant. Everybody on that show was brilliant. Yeah. And so that was a big, and so I would just die laughing at how funny she was. And I thought, well, I want to do that. And then I got to see Saturday Night Live. That's how my family got me to mass as a little kid. They'd say we would record Saturday Night Live for you on a Saturday night. So I'd be in bed at like 8.15 on a Saturday night. So I'd be the first one in the car for church on Sunday. So I got to watch Saturday Night Live when we were done with church <laughs> because I loved the sketches. And so... Um, not that I became a sketch comic, but for me, what was really important was that watching that level of joy that people could be put in. And I wanted to be part of that. I didn't know what that looked like, but I would tell everybody all the time I was going to have my own show and I, and I loved stand up. I was obsessed with Robin Williams, obsessed with him, his energy, the level at which he moved, um, just how fast his brain worked. I thought that was just, I was like, oh, that's, I, I received that. I wasn't a methodical uh, as a comic, I'm a storyteller and I'm quick. So I don't tell these gorgeous, low, straw. Like one of my dear friends is a comic named Tig Notaro. She's brilliant. And at her delivery, right about here. I mean, that would kill, but she's brilliant. I couldn't deliver stuff she's like, good. oh, she's amazing. You get a chance, go watch her. Tig, T-I-G. She's a brilliant comedian. And uh, I realized that my style most, aligned with a Robin Williams sensibility. And so as soon as I realized the level of joy meets the, the what you could do to make people happy, I was like, oh, I'm here for this. Now, what do I have to do? And then you realize it's no different than becoming a great quarterback, being a doctor, the yeah. hours and hours and hours and hours you put in to the work. Um, people, you know, comics, I think a lot of people don't realize how hard people work to make an hour of comedy look effortless and um even seven minutes you know when you start out in comedy especially in the big in la and new york you only get seven minutes on stage and to get your seven minutes down is it's yeah. years it's years of work and um right now having to come up with a new hour you know that's what that's what covid for lack of a better word has done to all comedians is not only have we not had the beauty of being able to get on stage and working things out but then you also have this moment where you don't want to go on social media and do it because then you just gave away your material. So it's yeah. this, it's this fine line of coming up with what's new um, and your take on what it means. Cause you know, everybody's got their, their version of it and, and, and learning what that is. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty powerful, but not being able to get up, you know, I get up in front of different audiences. I get up in front of all, you know, LA audiences, I get up in front of Southern audiences, I get up in front of all white audiences, all black audiences, all brown audiences. And I love that because whoever laughs at what, that's what you pull. And then you make that show because what one audience 
may love another audience is like, God, I understand a damn thing you're saying. I'm like, oh, okay. So you, you just scratch, scratch that. But you know, when you have something that speaks to a little bit of everybody, you're like, oh, okay, I'm cooking with gas. And, and I think that's important because that's what brings that level of joy, no matter what, no matter what. And that's all you want to do. I mean, there's nothing that makes me happier than that feeling of people forgetting their life for the, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 90 minutes I'm on a stage. It makes me feel amazing. Well, well, that's what you did for those troops in Afghanistan. Oh. Uh, as, an, as an Air Force veteran myself, I get it. Uh, you know, when you're, you know, in a battle zone and, and you're stressed out beyond belief, that 30 minutes that you provide them of relief is priceless. And I, I'm going to thank you myself oh, for that. Because that, 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 that you can't get back. I, I remember all the people who used to come, we used to get entertainers and, musicians and, and all the you know rock bands and the R&B groups back in the day. And then we'd get the occasional comedian that would come through and was like, oh gosh, I got a half hour. I don't have to think about somebody shooting at That's me. That's right. That's right. And it's, it, look, first of all, thank you for your service. It's, it's beyond, I, I've said a million times, I'll say it again. I look like absolute crap in a burqa and I uh, will do anything in my power to support the people that keep me from that on a daily yeah. basis and protect all that and let us all be one big hot mess express where we have to, deal with the reality star as a president. I mean, think about it. What are the privileges it is to be in this, this country? So you protect and support the the troops that, that do that for us. So I, I'm so grateful to do it. My little brother uh, is a Navy SEAL. We joke right now because he's, Ooh, nice. yeah, he's been doing this. He's 20, we're at 25 years active duty. Um, grateful that he's got all his fingers and all his toes and he's slightly of his right mind. Uh, he's, you know, I talk about, I talk about him as a sister does. Right? And, uh, but I, I started doing it because I thought if he could do that and he does what he does and doesn't want to do anything else and believes in everything that he does to serve, serve and protect. I'm like, the least I can do is get on a plane and go to some crazy parts of this world and bring some joy and, and, uh, and just, and hear what everybody has to say, because it's one thing to get up and tell jokes, but I was so grateful. I mean, obviously the world's not going to be the same again for us to be able to do that. But I would say for hours, hours and hours after a show to hear every single troop from every, what people don't realize, and you can speak to this, Michael, a lot of those bases are, you know, they're international bases, or I think they're called NASA bases or the international, Mm. everyone's on it. So you got right. to hear from everyone from Germany to Italy to Australia to you name it. And they'd come up and just say, you know, you've no idea what this means because this, we felt normal. This felt like a cool night out. And I was like, <gasps> like th- that joy level, I cannot put it, I can never put it into words because it's priceless. Right. Yeah. I, I got my first taste of U.S. So my dad went to Vietnam in 1969. Wow. And I remember he told me when he was there that Bob Hope came through. Oh, how cool! And, and, and uh, of course, I'm a 12 year old kid. I don't know any better. I mean, I know Bob Hope from TV, but you know, I'm like, okay, Dad, you're you're laughing at Bob Hope jokes at a USO tour yeah. in Vietnam. It was, you know, when I went on active duty, I I finally got what Bob Hope meant to him, and he never forgot that. He never forgot that. Isn't that powerful? I think it's such a powerful um, experience. Really, there's yeah. nothing like yeah. it. I would love to be at the yeah. Bob Hope level, but I'm just grateful I got to give give some love, and love and levity. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually cried when Bob Hope died. He um, used to live in T- Toluca Lake. He used to live in Toluca Lake, and there's a Vons over there uh, off I forgot Pass the name of the street, but yeah, there you go. I used to shop at that Vons all yes! the time. And when Bob Hope got around 98, 99 years old, he had uh, some form of dementia. And his driver would drop him off and he'd just walk around the store for hours just staring at stuff. Oh, honey, uh, yeah. He was engaging and things like that, although he, he didn't know who anybody was anymore. And so when he passed away a couple of years later, I just sat in my my home uh, over across the street from Warner Brothers Studio. And I just cried for like 15 minutes yes. because I grew up with him. Yes. Oh, honey. I, there's Okay. So you'll remember in, in uh, Toluca Lake, there's a little honey baked ham on Riverside yeah. Drive right there. Okay. Riverside Drive. So I would go in because I'm Southern and, you know, we love a ham sandwich. And uh, so this is, <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, I used to go, and Bob Hope would be in there with sweet, is it Doris? Was that or Dolores? What was his wife's name? Doris. Doris, Doris yeah. And they would be in there. Or Dolores. Yeah, something was with the D. Yeah. I might, forgive me for not knowing. But uh, they'd be in the honey baked ham. 
having them a little sandwich snack and a tea. And I'd be like, ah, and they don't, I'd wave because I didn't have the, I, I was so in awe. I didn't have the chutzpah to go over and be like, I love you. You raised me. But I just wave at them like they were my nana and granddad from across the room. I don't know why I did that. But I would wave and they would always just, and, he, and he'd give the big, how are you? And I'd be like, so good. That's all I got out of my mouth to Bob Hope. But I'd be so tickled. And you're right. He was probably, good night. He was in his 90s. I mean, I had just moved to LA. So he was in his 90s. And I'd be so tickled to see him sitting at the honeybag Tam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that's one of the things you get in LA a lot. You, you just see people, um, and they just like, oh wow, hey, that's Bob Hope. You know, yes. I, I, I was over, I was over at the Grove, over by yes. uh, CBS Television City, uh, with a uh, thing, and I took my son to a movie. He was like fourteen, sitting right next to me is Raquel Welch. Oh yeah. I looked over at my son. I said, "Do you know who she is?" And he said, "Nah, Dad, I don't know who she is." And I mean, she was dropped at she was in her seventies then. She was dropped at gorgeous, and she sat right next to me. And she put her hand on me. And said, "That's okay, young man. <laughs> Your son doesn't need to know who I am." <laughs> and I was kept on going. Um, I love that. So, <laughs> so yeah, that that was some fun. I'm gonna make a little bit of a pivot because Dave and I were having a conversation before we got you on. How did you get into yard sale diva and teaching people how to declutter and all that stuff because i i am the notorious i'm not a pack rat i keep notes on everything and i'm going to show you what i mean oh boy oh yeah you, <laughs> you know I, I i write every i write everything they're organized i know what's there i just you know papers you got paper i, I just keep it i got papers i'm trying to teach myself to stay on the computer instead of doing that <laughs> Save the trees, trees, right? yeah. Well, I, I like to write things down too, Michael. So you know what I do now? If you have an iPhone, they if you go under notes, the, you can hit scan, scan document, and you can scan that. Well, I got an iPad, so yeah, I got them now. So you can scan that document right in like a PDF. So you have those notes digitally now. Because I like a paper note too, but I now save it. So I've got it in an email form. So I basically become my own assistant. Let me tell you, because look. This is how I got into it. My family is in the funeral business. My papa owned the bank. His brother owned the realty company. So I used to joke that we got you coming and going. And at a young, <laughs> at a young age, they were like, listen, you need to understand what this looks like and what it looks like to manage estates and a managed stuff. And there's no school for that. We all know that. I mean, yes, you can go to school for appraisal. Yes, get, but there's not one to teach people how to deal with organization clutter and to get people on the other side of what it looks like when people pass and then have to manage all of their items. And I was lucky enough to have a family that was like, here, we're going to give you the fast track into this. And Southerners, everybody knows Southern people. We love a yard sale. Lord God, we love a yard sale. The bougie version is an estate sale. If you're in a nicer property or technically it's over a certain size property. <laughs> um, Leaves me out. <laughs> yeah, listen, hey, I, I will tell you right now, uh, as, as anything now can be an estate sale. I was like, if you truthfully, if it's, you're no longer uh, living is what a true estate sale is supposed to be, but they got a little, you know, loosey goosey with the terminology. So I grew up doing that. And um, when I actually got clean house, which is, this is a, such a great moment in the story. Um, the morning that I attested for it, I went in to do like final audition for clean house. I was going that afternoon. I was getting on a flight with a comic named Paul Provenza and going to, uh, we were going to Europe for three months to do an expatriate kind of club tour. So I was about to be gone. So I came in and clean house. I was only supposed to do five episodes. And they were like, hey, can you come in? I was like, yeah, fine. I'll come for this test. Fine. And I just came in and I was me. And um, Nisi Nash and I, who's an amazing actress, dear friend now, who was the main host on the show. Um, she and I tested with the other, uh, the, the other, uh, char character, the other cast on, member on the show at the time. And she, you thought she and I'd worked together our entire lives. It was Lucy and Ethel. It was Laverne and Shirley. And at the same time, she and Nisi can cry like nobody's business on cue. She's an amazing actress. And she starts bawling, doing the, being, you know, playing a mother who didn't want to get rid of an item because her, she couldn't give up the fact that her baby was grown. And I just talked her right through it. And of course, I am an emotional person. I, I am very aware when people are going through something. And I start tearing up while she's doing all this. And I said, I said, girl, girl, I got you. Your baby's 15. We don't need to keep the crib anymore. We're going to do right by it. <laughs> and she was like, okay. And we're doing it. And that was it. And I, you know, Nisi told me this after the fact, but that was it. And I finished. And I went, got, went to LAX, got on my plane, flew to Barcelona. And uh, 10 days later, 
I get a call in Barcelona, you need to come back. And I said, for why? And they said, well, you booked clean house. And I said, well, for, but for how long? They're like, I said, well, when can I come back? They're like, no, no, you booked the episode. So you'll be here for, for, you know, just five weeks. And I said, that's it. Like, yeah. And then eight years of my life later, that was, that was the show. But Nisi said, she was, you walked out of that room and I went, she goes, I went, well, it don't get better than that. Y'all better hire her now. <laughs> and I was like, man, she did not. She's a girl I did. So uh, I was grateful because that, you know, it was a, it was a big moment and I got to be me. And, um, you know, as we know, reality television has evolved so much, but a lot of I mean, people aren't them. We were lucky enough to be on a show when there was no agenda. Literally, we went on camera, they hit record and what came out of our mouths was real life. So yeah. it was very different and, and wonderful because I got to see people at their worst. I, I know organization because of the funeral business and knowing you can't take things with you and learning what you don't want to leave behind for others to deal with and not burdening family members with stuff that you think is important. It's really, why are you holding on to it? I've got um, a really big, uh, we could go on for hours about people's emotional attachment to things mm-hmm. and things hold you And back. it's funny that, and, yes. and you know, and you know, it's funny you say that. I I watched uh, a recent episode of that. I don't remember the name of it, but it's about folks who just hoard Hoarders. stuff. They just keep stuff. Hoarders, yeah. And they get, and they get really emotional about. Well, you know, isn't it true? I, what's so great when you get in the psychology of stuff, right? That's why just it's the psychology of stuff, not necessarily clutter, because a lot of people still have an emotional attachment to things that aren't clutter. You don't. You, yeah. you it's just stuff like. We just, my, my husband and I were just laughing because I was going through a bunch of stuff in the, in the, we just, we just moved into this house here in Atlanta and we were going through stuff in the garage. And from that trip, I was telling you this time last year, Air France broke a suitcase of mine. And it, and I looked, he and I looked at each other. I was like, why in goodness name is this suitcase still in the garage? And I was like, did we have such a good time on that trip that we thought, Lord, let's hold on to this broken suitcase. Like what in goodness name, what were we doing? And he and I laughed and I was like, oh yeah, no, we got to get rid of it. Like, let's go. But but you you hold thing on to things because there's an emotional attachment to that thing. That's almost like Linda Tripp holding on to the stained dress. Yeah, come on, get rid of it. <laughs> Preach on that. Oh, see, now you're rubbing off on Dave. He got jokes now. <laughs> yes. I'm here for that, sir. I enjoy a good joke like that. <laughs> I, I hadn't heard that one. I, I yeah. all right. We're gonna have you back tomorrow. So just to let you know that now. Um, <laughs> oh, Dave, Dave, Dave comes up with lines every once in a while, and I'm like, "Did you just say that?" Y'all are fun. What a yeah. what a fun time. You guys are just fun. So thanks for having me on. You're so fun. Oh, well, uh, we, we yeah. want to thank you. This has been fun for us. Hey, I, I, I've heard you've talked about Barcelona, Afghanistan, London, Ireland. And, oh, um, yeah. I'm not going to ask you your favorite place to be, but I know you've got to have some places you'd like to go. You've never been. Oh gosh. Well, Barbados, David, for sure. Ah, for sure. David's yeah. got connections. David's got connections. Okay. Let's, let's Listen, know. <laughs> I'm going to call that in because Barbados for sure. I've never been to like the, the British West Indies. Like I want to go do uh, Maldives. Are you kidding me? Uh, I want to go to Namibia, Africa. I cannot wait to see Africa. Like I, I'm a person that just wants to go and do and at Scotland, forget it. I'm usually a warm weather vacation person if it's relaxed. But as far as when I turn into Dora the Explorer, I like to go to do the things that are a little bit more out of my comfort zone. Cause my, look, my happy place on planet earth is Kailua beach, Hawaii. You could drop me there tomorrow, me and President Obama, and I will be just, hey, <laughs> I'll do all the vacations there. That's my happy place. Lonnie Kai Beach, that's my sweet spot on earth. But as far as all the places I haven't, I mean, I feel like I, it's just a drop in the bucket. I can't wait to just, I want to do like the Delta 360 global ticket pass and just go take two months, just go all around the world and I, I, I. Yeah, yeah I, t- I totally get it. We. This this COVID thing is so disconcerting. I mean, I'm driving to California. Obviously, it's only four hours away, but I've only been on a plane once since COVID broke out, and that was only a 45 minute flight from LA to here. And I, I I I've been reading all these articles, and Dave too, for that matter. We've been seeing all these special reports. Well, it's really safe on the airplane, but it's how you get to the airplane, waiting a baggage claim and waiting at the gate. That's when you're most susceptible to this. So I keep running this filter through the back of my head, saying, "Am I really going to risk?" Yes. Well, that's and then I fuck myself out of it. So I'll tell you, I've I've 
flown a few times, uh, even during it. I started having to travel just for work uh, in April. Um, and I, it's so funny because it sounds so like, oh, it's never been safer. But for people that fly all the time, the, I wish they would keep this protocol up forever, to be honest with you. Uh, as yeah. far as Delta yeah. goes, I know Delta and Southwest are the only ones doing it, but there's no passengers in the middle seat. Um, I will say, this is what I feel, and, and maybe this is uh, uh, snotty. I don't know what the word is, elitist, if you will, as far as traveling goes. If airlines created a flight that was just for frequent flliers, like if there were a couple flights a day that were just for your seasoned travelers, I would pay for these flights. Because when you get on and somebody's got on like a tuna fish sandwich, first of all, that's on the list of things you don't bring on a plane. I don't care how much you love tuna. (laughs) I too love a tuna sandwich, but I am not going to bring that on an airplane. People coming in their pajama bottoms, pillows from home. I'm like, no, we're in a time of COVID. You can't be bringing up a bunch of crazy mess on the plane. D- doing craziness. I'm like, I wish there was a a flight that all airlines, like if you're going to take the time to do it, because I'm sure they're going to find a way to charge a fee for, you know, cleanliness. That should be part of your job that your planes are clean, but I'm sure they'll find a cleaning fee to charge us. But I would, I would pay uh, a, a elevated rate for a uh, status. Like if everyone just was at a certain flying status, I don't mean you have to all be platinum or diamond. I mean, just if everyone was at a certain travel level, because then we all are on the same page of how to have a giant glass of Actrite in the air. And for me, if we're all kinder to each other, but you get people that don't know how to travel and it's like, you know, Zach Galifianakis from the movie Due Date. You're going, oh my gosh, what is going on? Like just ill behavior and putting their feet up on seat. I'm like, we are in a time of pandemic like please just be respectful and there's people that just don't know genuinely how to travel and it's it's a lot sees yeah the guy who takes his shoes off uh, and then puts them on the tray where your food is uh, <laughs> but, but i'll tell you something that that drives me crazy please. even before covid you would see folks would have their little toddlers on on the plane and the toddler would be running up and down the plane they'll be Sitting, they'll be doing everything on the floor. People go to the bathroom and they walk in their shoes oh, yeah, and no. they, you know, uh-huh. and and you've got your little kids sitting on the floor of the plane. David, That's when I tell you drives me crazy. All of my friends, all of my comedic friends that travel with me when we're on the road, they've all joked and said, "Well, well, well, the world just caught up to Trish Sir's germophobia." I have every protocol that's been in place for COVID. Mm-hmm. Honey, I've been doing since 2005. When I tell you I'm going, people get on the plane, I would Clorox wipe the tray table. I tell people the nastiest thing on the plane is the tray table and the seat. No, the seat belt buckle. And the seat belt. The seat belt buckle. Yeah, that's right. I'm like, do you know how much funk do is on a seat belt buckle? Oh, that hadn't (laughs) been planes since that plane was made in 1954. We're all still flying on planes built in the 60s. I was like, my mom was built in the 60s she's not flying you know what i'm saying like we need to update what's going on how about folks that use the blanket the blanket that's not sealed yeah don't oh hell no uh-uh. Uh-uh. no sir <laughs> now though i nope. tell you i've flown enough that when you get on the planes now y'all better be ready because they will chuck a baggie of snacks at you like everything's in a ziploc bag the flight attendant the other day was out of her mind when i flew back from la because you know, just like anywhere else, if you go to a restaurant in LA, we still eat outdoors. We don't have in in uh, restaurant dining, but and I know our weather permits that in LA. But we were, uh, I was at the, on the plane and I pulled my mask down to eat, or as my uh, husband calls it, my chin diaper. Um, <laughs> and so I pulled it down to eat, and then and she, I guess the flight attendant looked quickly and did not see me chewing, but she was like, "You need to put your mask back up." I'm like, and I've got my. I've got my uh, hummus and carrots on the tray and I've got a whole layout of like protectiveness on top of my tray surface. So it's not touching the tray directly. And she's looking at me and I'm like, look, I'm chewing. And she's like, oh, okay. I was like, lady, trust. I'm like, I'm the last person you need to tell put their mask back up. I'm solid. Thank you. <laughs> it's like, I, I, how, many, how many, how many chin diapers do you own by the way? Oh, at least 30. I wash them daily. Yes. Yeah, I have Same disposables. <laughs> like I have, of course, the disposables. Um, I have in 95s. Like I have every y'all, this was my way of life pre-COVID. I travel enough. Yeah. And I'm lucky enough to not be sick. You know, when you travel all the time and you have to work on the other side of that, you're really cautious 
um, because we're in a giant metal tube with recycled air. And I swear people don't have a lick of sense when they're on a plane pre-masks. They're like <coughs> sneezing. I'm like, Lord, oh gosh. Like if I could have got on in a hazmat suit, I would have. I look like one of those little minions from uh, Despicable Me because I'm like goggles. So now I just have glasses I wear so something can't hit you. I've got my you know nose and mouth covered properly with a mask. And I, and I Clorox yeah, wipe yeah. everything down and I'm grateful to not have somebody in a middle seat. That's been refreshing uh, for sure. And I, I just, I just would wish they would give all, this is what I'd wish. I wish airlines would have a video of when you buy a ticket, much like when you get on soaring over California at Disneyland, it yeah. just explains to people how not to be a butthead in the air. Like, Hey, here's the things to do to not be an actual butthead when you're flying. Yeah. We, yeah, there's nothing that gives anybody any education on flight protocol. Maybe we need to make that video amongst the three of us and just yeah. educate. Oh, I'd have a good. I would have a good time with that. Right? Don't you think? Just, just like because McCarran, I yeah. love flying in Nevada because they have the funniest uh, TSA pre video mm-hmm. of uh, with like you know showgirls and magicians and craziness. W- w- Wayne Newton. Wayne Newton. <laughs> it's everybody. I'm like, hey, here's how to speed up your TSA process. And I'm like, great, but people need that for the flight. Like people need that before yeah. they get on a plane because some people just, and now people haven't, people that did fly haven't flown in almost a year. So it's like, could you just educate yeah. everybody on how to have a giant glass of Actrite when we get on the air? Yep. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. So, okay. We're, we're getting close to the end of our time with you. Um, tell, tell us what your future holds. Uh, I know there's a, Project you're working on, which you're not at liberty to discuss. I get that at being in Hollywood myself. Thank I understand. You, thank you. But there's there's got to be some other things you got, or that you know, coming up in 2021, or things you want to do. Is your comedy tour going to start yes, up again? How, how's all this working? Com- out? Well, as soon as we're a green light to be back in front of live audiences, I think all of us are going to be jumping to do it. So that's just be a matter of you know what we're looking at now. It's late 2021, is what everybody's realizing as far as people back together. Um, and then I start with QVC starting, uh, Black Friday. So I'm the face of their, uh, tool line. They have their own, uh, power. Congratulations. Thanks. So thank you. So if you want to just tune in to QVC.com, you can get some awesome Black Friday deals, but I do all the things for lifestyle on home. So all the, the cool stuff we need. And I shoot live here in my house. So, uh, by the way, you'll get to see in my house every day. So my house has become one big old working studio. We call my house here in Atlanta, the beach barn. Cause I basically took a big old barn house and turned it into a California beach house. Even though I'm in landlocked Atlanta, that wasn't going to stop me. So we have a, we have a really fun, a fun house to shoot in. So I'll be doing that. Uh, and that, that goes, I'll be doing that all through 2021 as well. And then uh, as soon as this new project, uh, is talkable, but that's going to be back in the home makeover space because there's nothing I love more than helping families. So I'm really excited to get back to doing that. Oh, oh gosh, I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait to get... Now, when, when is your QVC show on? I start uh, Black Friday, which is the 29th of November. 29th. So you can okay. tune right in and then I'll, of course, put that on my social media and I'm at Trish Sir on all platforms on social media. So uh, I do answer everything. So if y'all reach out, I will always say hi. And I have a question for y'all before we go. Where is the place you guys are dying to go as soon as we are all cleared for travel? I want to hear from both of you. Well, I would love to go to China. Oh, really? Uh, right? Right. I would love to go to Morocco. I've I've got a couple on my list. And we interviewed someone from Nevis. Nevis happens to be COVID-free. Uh, that's one of the first places that I'll go. I want to go to Nevis. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. And I'm from Bar and and I'm from Barbados, so my Bajans friends friends would probably kill me. But I would <laughs> love to go to Nevis. No, hey, that's, I I'm with you on that, Michael. I can't wait to hear yours because those were great choices. But those were great. My my list is extensive. Uh, keep in mind that my girlfriend was born in Valencia, Spain, oh. and I've. I grew up in Spain. I spent three years of my childhood in Spain with my dad's military career in Madrid, but I'd never made it to the Mediterranean. Uh, so somewhere along that Mediterranean corridor from Valencia up to Nice, France, I can't wait. Gorgeous. That would be one. This is, this is going to sound really bizarre. I don't know why I have this fascination with it, but you know, I want to go to Antarctica. I, I there is do. something about Antarctica. I just want to go. 
Don't ask me to explain it because I can't. Um, maybe four years I lived in Northern Maine and I got used to cold. I have no idea, but I just want to see with my own two eyes. And then Dave and I also share um, a joint adventure, uh, Morocco. Um, My dad, yeah, my dad was stationed in Morocco in the early sixties. And um, the reason that we wound up in Spain was they actually closed down the air force base in Morocco. And my dad had a choice. You either go someplace for a year and uh, without your family and then come back to the U S or you can bring your family and choose a place in Europe. So he chose Madrid. And that's how I grew up in the streets of Madrid. Love Madrid. And how cool is that? What a great oh, experience. Yeah, that, that was it. Oh, oh it, it was awesome. I can't. Five-year-old kid who spoke Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. And no wonder And no wonder you have that love of the whole Mediterranean coast because it's, by the way, oh, gorgeous. I, I, I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Those so, were yeah, great those answers. Are, those are the three. Oh, thank you. Th- those, those were the three. Plus... My girlfriend and I have been toying with the idea. We went to Costa Rica three years ago, and we were toying with the idea of buying a piece of property in Costa Rica. Yes. Uh, if, if is, that where you plan, is that where you plan to get married? Uh, didn't that, that's what you said, right? <laughs> he's, been trying to get me, he's been trying to get me married for seven years. Hey, I love that he's got a plan. <laughs> yeah, he does. He, he, he does. He, he wants to be the pastor of the ceremony. Um, I'm going to have to... I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to clear it with the girlfriend first, man. We we've been together almost eight years. That's so. amazing. We'll record that, honey. Record that. But, but, no, but I'm gonna Trish, record it too. But, but Trisha, I'll tell you, if you go to Morocco, every camel in Morocco is Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. Every camel has a name, Jimmy. Or let's or let's put it this way: every other camel is named Jimmy. His name His name is Jimmy. Just, it is yeah. strange. It's funny. I, I will be sure to go. I'll only get on a Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we actually spoke to a lady who we had on our show earlier this year. Her husband's Moroccan, and they're in Morocco right now. Yeah. So we did a Zoom call with them yesterday, and they were talking about how friendly Jimmy was. Well, the the week before, we had a young lady who uh, now lives in Copenhagen. She's an American, but she decided to move there. And she goes to, was it her or somebody? Else? One of our other guests also met another camel named Jimmy who was rude to him. And, you know, uh, yeah. and, and threw him off the saddle. Oh, it was, uh, it was Ray. It was Ray. It was yeah, Ray. Threw him off the saddle a couple of times. And I'm like, okay, we had two Jimmy Campbells back-to-back days in Morocco. This can't be a coincidence. So we thought they were the same one, but no, they're not. <laughs> so we all know, know, know now that all camels are named Jimmy in Morocco. I love that pro tip. Yep, yep. Yeah, you, you got to hook up with Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Yeah, Morocco's actually open now. They actually gave a, a standing invitation for Dave and I to come, which we'll probably take them up on next year oh, and yeah, do some you podcasts will. live from there. Um, I have some, uh, I don't know if you know this about my background, but I used to be the head producer for the West Coast office of the Travel Channel back in the day. How cool. And, uh, um, they, they never saw fit to put me on the air, but uh, I'm going to solve that myself. Yes, you are, <laughs> honey. Don't ever leave it up to the networks. They sure don't know better. You got to go do you. That's what I know for no, sure. They, exactly. And a lot of times they wouldn't know talent if it slapped them in the face. I mean, I, I've been fortunate because as a producer, I've been on the one side of the table where I'm actually interviewing talent. And then I've also been the one walking into the audition with a pair of sides in my hands, acting like a fool, trying to impress somebody on the other side of the desk who has no clue what they're looking That's for. That's right. That's right. And, yeah. when, and when you know better, you do better. So you're like, you know what? Let me just go ahead and create this on my own. It's the shortcut anyway. People would rather. That's what I've learned. Yeah. Especially now, technology is, is um, enabled us to do things on our own. And do, it, and do it better. Yeah. And I got Dave, who's a videographer in the first place. And a dream team right here. Because that's the best part. What I, your audience doesn't see is seeing you two play off each other, which is so nice visually. Hey, I'm from the... I'm I'm from the Caribbean, okay? That's right. You get a pass, <laughs> See, pass, pass. He, he gets a pass, you know, just like, you know, I, I, you know, because I have uh, I spent 10 years of my life in Panama City, Florida. Yes. So I have a PhD I have a PhD in Southern. So your your uh, uh, speech patterns don't offend me at all. Thank you. I I remember we, we were talking to a Lieutenant General Russell Honore uh, last week. Awesome. And he's, got a strong, he's got a very strong accent as well. He's got a very strong <laughs> accent, but the man, the man is funny. I mean, he's serious on TV, but the man is funny as hell. He, <laughs> he's, he's funny. He had me laughing my ass off. He's yeah. funny. I love that. Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, I want to thank you thank for you. doing this. Uh, you know, we, uh, we'd like to have fun as you just Y'all know, this are jokes about. are definitely allowed. And, uh, you know, this was, this was not about, 
anything serious. We just wanted to lighten the load a little bit and get you to forget about politics for uh, an hour and 15 minutes now. I know. I put my TV on screensaver so I could enjoy y'all because I was like, we don't need to see this mess. I actually <laughs> turned mine off. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, maybe, maybe that'll inspire the people in Nevada to get off their rear ends and actually count the votes instead of going home at 5 o'clock. Well, the honey, they, were on, they were on a clock. They had to go back. Yeah, well, good. Well, again, uh, on behalf of Dave, we really want to thank you for doing TripCast 360. And by the way, we hope you'll come back. And I would maybe, love to. Uh, yeah, we've got all kinds of material to talk about. You, you can warm up some of your stuff that you're not afraid to give out love, with us and we'll it. let you know if it works perfect yeah we used to do that yeah jay leno did that jay leno used to go to his club in hermosa beach yeah, by my house on sunday night that's right yeah he would perform there for a couple hours and test the stuff out and the next thing you know i'd see it on the tonight show two days later that's right it was one of my favorite <laughs> things <laughs> yeah so again thank you so much for doing this we really love you we appreciate thank you, you and uh, a pleasure. We, we will be in touch please do and, uh, thanks thank, thanks thank you, Trish.